21. Pounding woke us up the next day, at dawn the next day. Ear-splitting pounding, like someone was attacking the front office door with a jackhammer. I jumped out of bed. Mr. Lawrence, one of the customers from the night before, was standing in front of the front office. Quickly, my dad buzzed him in. My car, Mr. Lawrence shrieked. It's gone. Mr. Lawrence's neon green Ford Thunderbird had been taken in the middle of the night. He had parked it right in front of his room, room five, and when he woke up, it was gone. We have to find out who did this, I said, turning to my parents. Do you think it was one of our other customers? I immediately grabbed the customer logbook to see who stayed here last night. Could have been anybody, Mr. Lawrence said. Somebody could have come here in the middle of the night and taken off with my car. I made a mental note to add parking lot gate to my wish list. My father picked up the phone. Hello, Mr. Yao, my dad said. Something terrible has happened. Mr. Yao arrived half an hour later. How could this happen? He said to my mom and dad, gesturing angrily with his hands. We don't know, my dad said. We're just as surprised as you. Mr. Yao picked up the phone and called the police. After that, he went around from room to room, waking up all the customers. Have you seen a green Ford Thunderbird? He asked, peering suspiciously into their rooms. One of the guests said he did hear some noise around 3 o'clock a.m., like someone was trying to start their car. Mr. Yao turned to my dad. Did you see anybody leave at 3 a.m.? He asked. My dad sheepishly admitted that he didn't know. He had been sleeping, to which Mr. Yao frowned and said, Stop sleeping! Mr. Yao then asked us if there were any customers who left without checking out. My dad and I went to check if anyone had gone in the middle of the night. And sure enough, when we went around, we found five keys. We gave Mr. Yao the numbers of the rooms and the names of the customers. Mr. Yao wanted to know what the customers looked like. I tried to describe them the best I could. Let's see. Mr. Roberto had a mustache, I said. But it wasn't one of those long, archy ones. It was a small and tidy one. And Mrs. Robinson, she was about the same height as my mom, a little taller. I closed my eyes trying to recall any other details about her. She had long, curly black hair past her shoulders, not in braids like some of the other black women, I said. Mr. Yao's eyes bulged. Wait a minute. She's black, he yelled. I thought I told you not to rent to bad people. My throat went dry. I could hear the sound of my breathing hard and fast. You said bad people, not black people. Any idiot knows black people are dangerous, Mr. Yao said. That's not true, 
I was stunned. Hank's not dangerous for one. I narrowed my eyes at Mr. Yao. You're the one who's dangerous. Mia, my dad said. Nervously, my dad turned to Mr. Yao. Sir, we cannot judge someone based on their skin color. Isn't that right? This is America. Mr. Yao snorted. If you believe that, you're dumber than I thought, he said. Clearly, you have no idea how this country really works. The sound of police cars pulling up made us look up. What's going on here? The police officers asked when they stepped in. There were two different officers, both male and white. They had lots of things on their uniforms, sticks hanging from their belts, radios and walkie-talkies, which they talked into as they walked up to the front desk, and guns. I stared at their guns. Mr. Yao quickly filled them in on what happened. From the familiar way they talked with him, it seemed like they knew him. I wondered if the cops had ever been at the Cala Vista before. Mr. Yao handed them a list of customers who left in the middle of the night. He told him he thought it was Mrs. Robinson who stole Mr. Lorenz's car. He went so far as to circle Mrs. Robinson's name and write the word black next to it. And where is Mrs. Robinson now? The officers asked. She left, but I really don't think I started to say. The officers cut me off with a sharp shh. They only wanted to hear from Mr. Yao. Mr. Yao proceeded to tell the officers about the other customers. They seemed particularly interested in hearing about the weeklies. Are they home? Can we interview them? Absolutely, Mr. Yao said, leading the way inside. The weeklies were inside talking about what happened. Or the weeklies were outside talking about what happened. At the sight of Mr. Yao walking over, he quickly moved his tomato plant into his room. Mr. Yao did not like Hank growing plants outside his room. He said Hank hadn't rented that space. The cops walked up to the weeklies. We'd like to ask you guys some questions, the cops said. How long have you been living here? About three months, Billy Bob said. I was staying over at days before. One of the officers turned to Hank and asked, And you? About six months, Hank told him. The officer jotted it down. Do you have a job? He asked Hank. Yeah, I work over at the gas station on Orange and Knot, he said. What's this about? Fred asked. Do you think we did it? Mrs. Q put her hand to her chest and let out a shrill, Good God! Sir, ma'am, we're not saying that. We're just asking questions, the cop said. But you're asking the wrong people, I interjected. They ignored me and carried on their interrogating the weeklies. I kept trying to interrupt, but every time I tugged on their shirt, the police officer said, please don't touch me. 
Finally, they told the Weeklies they could all back, go back to their rooms. As the Weeklies started walking back to their rooms, one of the officers pulled Hank aside. Except for you, he said. Why me? Hank asked. Because I said so, the cop said, staring Hank down. The Weeklies looked at Hank, and Hank looked at them. Then they nodded. Then he nodded and told them to go on without him. After the other weeklies left, both cops turned their attention back to Hank. Now, where were we? You said you work at Orange and Knot, the commanding officer said, turning to the other cop. Orange and Knot. Let's check that out. He looked at Hank again. Have you been having any financial difficulties lately? He asked. Excuse me? Hank asked. Have you needed to borrow any money? No. Have you sold anything in the last 10 weeks? The cops suddenly turned their attention to me. Do people ever come looking for him? Does he ever ask you to hold something for him? Does it doesn't have to be big? I shook my head. No. The officer seemed displeased with my answer and frowned. I'm sorry, I'm going to need you to go back inside with your parents. Hank's a good guy, I yelled as the officer took my arm and dragged me away. The whole time I looked back at Hank, at the frustration and fury in his eyes. As he said words over and over, I didn't do it. I sat with my nose pressed up against the window, watching the police interrogate Hank. Sometimes, several times, I ran outside only to be escorted back in. See, the police know I'm right, Mr. Yao said, taking their interrogation of Hank as evidence that his theory about black people was valid. He was wrong. The only thing it proved was that the police were just like him. I counted the minutes until he and his racist thoughts would finally leave. Surprisingly, the person who remained most calm throughout the incident was Mr. Lawrence. It sounded like he had car insurance and he figured he could get money back that way. At half past noon, the cops finally stopped interrogating Hank and got back in their car. They didn't have enough evidence to make an arrest because he didn't do it, duh. But they said they'd be back. You'll hear from us again real soon, the commanding officer, Officer Phillips said, looking at all of us. His eyes lingered especially long on Hank before he turned away. After the cops and Mr. Yao finally left, I went over to Hank's room. Hank was sitting in his chair slumped over like a half-filled sack. He looked absolutely exhausted. I walked over and put my hand on his shoulder. I'm sorry you had to go through that. It's all right, he said. But it's not all right. They were awful. They just assumed you did it. How could they think that? The more I thought about it, the more riled up I got. But Hank just sat there, quiet and unfazed, 
gazing in the general direction of the pool. The sun burned through the window. I could see little tiny particles of float, dust floating in his room. Why aren't you more upset? I asked him. He shrugged. Guess I'm just, just used to it, he said. This is the kind of thing that happens to me all the time. It does? He, not, he nodded. To all black people in this country in some way or another. He dropped his head into his hands. I sat very still, thinking about what he said. I could hear the faint honking of cars. A couple laughing in the room next to us. I wanted to scream. Stop! Stop honking! Stop laughing! How can it be business as usual when this is when this is just happening to people like Hank? Hank got up and went to wash his face. When he returned, he was holding a pack of Oreos. As he set the Oreos down on his little table, I stared at the cookies and thought about the world of difference. Thought about the world of difference there was between the two colors.